It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Get Rich Slow Club podcast is a collaboration between Tash Etchman from Tash Invest and Anna Christina from Perla. The Get Rich Slow Club acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land we record on. From coast to coast, across land, waters and communities, we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Any advice is general and does not consider your financial situation, needs or objectives. So consider whether it's appropriate for you. Welcome to the Get Rich Slow Club podcast, where we take you from beginner to confident investor, where we can teach you everything you need to know about investing. So come get rich slow with us. There's usually a limit to how much we can save, but it's limitless as to how much we can make. Money is finite. And in today's episode, we talk about how to increase your income and what you can do. But before we dive into how to increase your income, Tash, let's hear your money win or loss for the week. I have a money loss today. Um, all of my apartment expenses come out in August. I think it's like my council rates, my water rates, the strata fees. I think I had a tenant move out as well. So it was a gap in rent that I was earning and I had to pay a new leasing fee, fee too. Um, and I've also got my own company set up. I have to pay myself every week, which I sometimes don't do. I just forget and we'll do it later. Um, but unfortunately I haven't automated it yet and I just forgot. So I didn't have enough money in my bank account and I got charged my first ever overdraft fee, which is $6. Oh no. Yeah. They're so tragic when you get charged, even if it's like $6 isn't that much money, but it's just the, I don't know, the principle that emotionally yeah. gets to me. <laughs> because I had the money. It was just not in that account to be taken from, but that's okay. Yeah. We've learned. And is this the same account that you said you were going to automate a while ago? No, I also haven't done that one either, but no. So this is my, I transitioned to working for myself full-time in April. Um, and I now am under a company structure instead of a self-employed sole trader structure. Um, that's been interesting to try and navigate a little bit. I've got a bookkeeper now, which is exciting, but yeah, I just need to automate paying myself regularly because at the moment I was just paying myself when I needed it, but it's not the best way to organize things. Um, but no, the one I wanted to automate was my credit card with another bank account. And I didn't do it because you had to print out the forms and scan them in. And I just was like, no, I'm not doing that today. It just makes it so much harder. It makes yeah. it so much harder when you have to print things off. But my parents have a printer and a scanner. So I'm going to do it while I'm home visiting my parents. You can ask me next week. 
Okay. <laughs> I'll check in. It's funny because the last time we were talking about this automation, I think I was talking about my water bill not being automated. And then I looked and it actually was. So my my past self actually made my life easier. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And this week, again, big water bill over $300. Rates are almost $900. Housing costs a lot and little humans add to that as well. So you know, I mean, whether it's a money win or a money loss, of course, we need water and we need a home to live in. But it is hard when you see those rates go up. Yeah, I feel like it's in August, yours come out as well, the rates. Yeah. or Yeah, I feel like August is just such an expensive month for homeowners because everything hits you at the same time. Yeah, that's why uh, we need to increase our income, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> to keep up with the cost of living. <laughs> to start off, let's talk briefly about reducing our expenses. Often in the finance world, we hear people talking about cutting costs and reducing your expenses, which makes a lot of sense. Chances are we can all reduce some of our costs so that we can end up with more money in our pockets or more money to invest with. However, there's usually a limit to how much we can save. There are, of course, the necessities that are a fixed cost, such as housing and utilities and all of our water bills like we've just mentioned. There can sometimes be wiggle room with food, but overall, you end up hitting a limit to how much you can save. That's why increasing your income is a really important topic. How much you make has no limit. Of course, our main job usually, which is a nine to five, is salaried. And often there is an income ceiling to that. Especially if you work in healthcare, there are lots of income ceilings. Mm. But there are other ways to make money. So let's break down the various ways that you can increase your income. The first way is to increase your income through your current role. We will get into some of the various ways you can increase your income. But the main way that may be important to note is trying to increase your wage. The first way to do this is by asking for a raise. Sounds pretty simple, right? But the best way to ask for a raise is to take note of all the work you've done over the years that would contribute to your value to the company. It's really important to think about why the company would want to pay you more money. And if you can show how much you've done and what value or results you've proven, you're more likely to get a raise. If you feel like you don't have a list of reasons of how you've contributed to the company, it may be a good time to sit down with your manager and talk about key results they're looking for. So what kind of impact can you actually do for the company? What do they expect of you? What are the things that you need to achieve? And once you have a list of these expectations, make sure to work on them. Then in about six months time or so, you can sit down with your manager again and talk them through the various results and value you brought to the company. If you aren't on a fixed salary and are on an hourly wage, there's the option of asking for more hours or overtime. This can really add some extra dollars into your bank account as it adds up. You can even take on evening or weekend shifts for penalties. I used to do this when I was a support worker. I used to be able to get double time on Sunday or two and a half times on public holidays. So I worked a lot of public holidays while I was saving for my house deposit. I also know some people who work Sunday to Thursday and have Friday and Saturday off as their weekend so that they can earn those weekend penalties. Another way that you can increase your income, and this is a bit of an indirect way, is to ask for a more flexible work schedule, such as working the same hours in a week within four days or work longer hours in nine days so that you can get a day off a fortnight. Then you can use the additional days that you have off to take on another job or a side hustle. Have you done any of these in your role? Oh, I've done all of the above that we kind of talked about, which is I've definitely asked for a raise. I've kind of moved to a different role as well. And I've worked um, extra hours just so that I can get a day off a week or or so forth. So I've, I've done all of the above. What about you? Yeah, same with me. I think the biggest income jump I had was when I went from working nine to four day shifts to finding a job where I could work 
56 hours in a row. So it's a bit of a unique situation, but as a support worker, you can do sleep shifts and being able to pack a lot of hours into one go meant I could just work so much more and also finding a job that let me do overtime or weekends or have penalty rates that helped a lot. And I've also asked for raises as well. Yeah. One of the things that I did in my old job, I was actually at that company for about eight years and I took on five different distinct roles. So I kind of upskilled within my role and with each jump, I got a raise increase because I I proved my value. I said I'd take on a new role and so forth. And actually the interesting part was in the very last job that I had at that company, I realized that I was underpaid in regards to the market value of that role. And I also found out that a couple of my colleagues were making more than me because, yeah, well, the other thing is if you stay in the same company you're probably not going to make as much money as if you jump jobs, which we'll talk about next. So it is really important to have that data on hand. And so I brought that to them and said, hey, look, actually, you should be paying me a bit more. And it took a little bit of time, but they actually did then offer me what I should be making for that specific role. That's good. How did you bring up the conversation initially with them? Um, yeah, I had everything written down. So I'm obsessed with having everything in front of me and troubleshooting it and, you know, talking to the mirror and trying to get my confidence up. But a lot of it was having data that I researched on Glassdoor or LinkedIn, talking to other people who are doing a similar role and what they're getting paid so that I had all that information. And then I had all of the key results and all of the value that I brought to the company so that I could actually talk to the work that I did. And as I brought it up, I was saying, hey, listen, this is all the work I'm doing. This is what I should be compensated for that role. And um, I started the conversation that way. So it's an awkward conversation, but you need to know your worth. And if you can't prove it, but based on showing research or what you've done, it's really hard to make that argument. Yeah. Especially the research bit is really interesting and showing what you've actually done too, because it would be so easy to say, oh, so-and-so is getting paid more than me. I want the same. But without all the evidence behind you, it's a lot harder. Yeah. And, you know, companies are always going to have reasons that they can't pay you, you know, based on job market or how much revenue and so forth. So it's, it is a challenge. (laughs) But it's worth it. It is. Yeah. For sure. For sure. And if not, um, another option is to jump jobs. People on average switch jobs every three years. And there's a good reason for it. Zippa, a career website, claims that on average, employees can get up to a 14% pay bump. So somewhere between 10 and 20% is a really good increase when it comes to switching your job. That's such a good pay rise, but I feel like three years is actually really long. Everyone I know moves jobs a lot more often, like me included. I think it's a generational thing. So I did Google this and a Forbes article said that older workers usually spend 4.1 years um, at a role, whereas 2.8 years are for workers between 25 and 34 years of age. And employees in government jobs stay in their job even longer, almost twice as long. Okay, that makes sense to bump the average up because I don't think I really know anyone working in government. Like it's not very, not really a thing in Perth. Yeah, well, they're usually quite well-paid and have benefits and whatnot, right? So yeah. why would you Seems leave? pretty good. Yeah. You may have heard of the term loyalty tax in relation to consumer items, such as insurance or utilities, where a company doesn't offer you a discount if you've been with them for a while, but they do for new customers. Well, this concept works the same for your employer. A loyalty tax in this scenario is that your employer doesn't give you a raise since you are already employed with them. However, If they were to hire someone new, chances are they would have to pay them more to keep up with wage growth and need to spend a lot of time on hiring costs as it's very expensive to hire new employees and train them. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is really interesting. One of my old jobs, um, they were giving people $10,000 referral bonuses if they found someone like a new employee to work for them because they were really short staffed. But then they wouldn't give people that 10 grand as a pay rise which I just thought was very ironic considering all the time that also goes into it and the effort and the HR and everything too. Plus the training of that job was pretty intense as well. So it's an interesting one. Yeah. Recruitment costs a lot of money and that's actually another bargaining chip that you can use for if you're trying to negotiate your wage. You can actually say, hey, listen, it'll cost you X amount of money to hire someone new in my role. So in the example that we were talking about before, if you're negotiating that, you can actually say, hey, listen, I'm ready to go and you're going to have to pay yeah. someone more and the hiring Just, costs and the loss of, you know, the, the, the loss of understanding of the company. Exactly. So that's a, another bargaining chip that you can use. Yeah. See if they've got a referral bonus and see if they can pay that to you. Because it's very interesting how they're advertising these huge referral bonuses for others, but not for the actual person doing the role. Yeah, it's kind of the way banks and mortgages work <laughs> as well, right? Uh, the yep. loyalty tax is real. I jumped jobs a lot when I was younger, especially when I was at uni, but it was often for better hours and conditions. A lot of my jobs were paid very similar. A lot of them were just awards rates. So I was trying to find out how I could get Sunday rates or afternoon rates or working longer shifts. And that's why I jumped jobs. But I don't think, I think it was one job I've ever had for three years, but it was a casual one where I was also working out the jobs. Everything else has been shorter. For me, when I graduated, it was the global financial crisis, so the GFC, and a lot of people were getting let go at the time. So having a job, you wanted to hold on to that job because it was a scary period that people in Australia didn't experience because it was no one was really affected here. And so I stayed at my job for a little bit too long, I think. Like in my 20s, I was at a job for four years and then moved to another role. And they were both at a university. So similarly to a government job, there were good benefits. There was a lot of security. It was unionized. There, there, there were a lot of benefits and you could get free education as well. So free tuition. But I think it was, was not advantageous because in your 20s, I feel as though you need to take more risks. So I wish I wish that I knew that jumping jobs is a better way to make money. But it was also the time in history, right, where yeah. there weren't a lot of jobs available. Very different when I kind of finished high school. I guess the unemployment's been quite low in Australia the last seven or so years that I've been working. So there's a lot of jobs available. And I feel like we have a lot more choice compared to back then when there was more of a scarcity mindset around it. But it's, yeah, a completely different situation now. Yeah, because everyone was saying like, you've got a good job, stick with your job, yeah. you know, a lot of security, you don't want to lose your job. But that's also because the older generation stayed at jobs for life, whereas a lot of people don't have that lo loyalty to their employer anymore. 
And I feel like, I don't know if it's easier to get jobs now, but it's easier to see more jobs available with Seek and LinkedIn and networking online. Like it's a lot easier to see more opportunities available than it might've been previously. Yeah. For us, it was Craigslist, which is kind of like, yeah. Do you know what Craigslist is? I feel like they do that in the movies in the US. Oh, it's kind of like our gum tree, but it had job postings and stuff. So that was where you went and uh, it was, yeah, a whole, whole different messaging board. Anyhow, but if you are planning on jumping jobs, something to consider are the following. The first one is using ChatGP to help you write your cover letter and resume. So this is a really good way of being able to be really concise when it comes to the job posting and also selling yourself to a potential employer. This is such a cool hack. I haven't written a cover letter resume for a few years now, so it's cool that there's tools like this available. Um, but another one is to use terms they have in the job posting to show your skills. I'm sure you can post that into ChatGPT as well to make sure they slide it into your cover letter. That's really important because employers are looking for that. So what they have in the job posting, they really want to see that your XYZ, whatever they listed. Another one is apply for jobs, even if you aren't 100% qualified. And also do your research on salary expectations and what the going rate for the position is. You can use Seek, talk to people, look on LinkedIn or Glassdoor. Another one is you can negotiate other things like leave days, stock options, flexibility. I've even negotiated long service leave in one of my contracts. So don't think it's just about the money. There are other things that are worth considering. Another way to increase your income is to advance your career through education. Although this falls into the category of your main job, trying to advance your career through education and upskilling is a great way to increase your income. In many cases, there will be expenses linked to this, such as paying for school or for a course, but the impact can be huge. This is especially true if you are strategic in breaking into a career that is in high demand. What courses have you done, Anna? I've done so many over my career. Everything from speaking courses to design and marketing to research, product management, copywriting, finance courses. And I used to only read tech industry books at one time that was related to my my job because I wanted to upskill by just learning from other people who are in the same space as I am. What about you? Yeah, I've done a few different things. I studied occupational therapy initially, um, but since then I've also gone and done a cert for mortgage broking, a lot of the Kaplan RG146 courses, and I'm also doing a money coaching course in the US. Um, When I was at uni, I did courses to become a swimming instructor and a lifeguard because I got paid a higher hourly rate than my retail and hospitality jobs back then. Oh, smart. Uh, Now that we've covered all the things you can do with your main and regular job, what are some of the other ways that you can increase your income? There's side hustles and businesses. There's a massive focus on people side hustling as it focuses on earning additional money. There are a lot of various ways to do this, and I'm sure we won't be able to list them all, but we'll give it a go. Freelance or consulting. If you're a specialist in something, you can do that work on the side of your regular job, such as, you know, being a business consultant or freelance writing or editing for someone. You've mentioned that you've previously consulted. How did you get into that? Oh, I had a friend with a business who needed some help. And so I was coaching them through it. And actually, I got my job at Perler through consulting as well. So I was at the time I was on parental leave and they reached out to me saying, hey, you you know, you know a lot about finance. You're a product manager. Let's chat. And so I did some consulting on the side, even when I returned to my job at the time and then eventually jumped ship. And now I'm at Perler. So you never know what the future holds when you're consulting. And when you put yourself out there, how did they find you? 
I'm not sure. Maybe Twitter. I'd have to talk to Did Nick. you have a finance <laughs> blog? Like you had a personal finance page before I you did. left for Pella. Yeah. Yeah. So I was post, yeah, I had a blog and I was posting on there and, um, just, you know, having a little bit of fun talking about my journey. So <laughs> just even, even doing a passion project, you, you don't know where it's going to take you sometimes. Right. Yeah. Especially if you put yourself out there and people can find your stuff and see what you're passionate about. Yeah. The next one is starting a business. If you have a skill set or an idea that you can monetize, you can start a business on the side. This can be as simple as selling candles or gardening for neighbors. Tash, you started an accidental business. Can you tell us how that happened? Yeah, I still feel weird calling the stuff that I do a business, but I guess it is now. One day I just decided randomly to post on Instagram about money and personal finance stuff, kind of have my content, my social media on the side. And then it just got more and more popular. And now I do it full time, which is pretty exciting. But it was more just, I didn't go down that path of I'm going to make money from it straight away. I just started posting because I really enjoyed it. Again, another example of passion projects resulting in <laughs> in uh, additional income, right? Yeah. I feel like the big thing there is just putting yourself out there and talking to people, like messaging people, saying hi, talking about things online, posting videos, and then people know who you are. That's also a really great way of getting a new job, right? Like just going to networking events, meeting new people. Other ways that you can have a a side hustle or a small gig is taking on survey work. There's a lot of customer research work that that is conducted online from from your home. You can also become an Uber driver or a dog walker or a pet sitter. The list is endless of small little gigs that you can pick up. Now let's talk a little bit about passive income. Passive income is the dream, isn't it? Making money while you do nothing or very little. Well, there are a few things that you can do to get passive income. The first one is investing. We've talked about this a lot in our other episodes, especially our first 10. And with investing, there are ways to receive passive income. The main way is through dividend payments. These are payments made by the company to its shareholders. It is worth noting that you do get taxed on dividend income like you do with other income. Another passive way to receive income is if you own an investment property. This can be in the form of rent. There's a whole variety of ways to receive passive income. So we'll only name a few, but some are affiliate marketing, digital products, writing a book or developing an app. They usually require some upfront investment in the form of money or time, but they can pay dividends literally and figuratively as you can keep selling the product over and over and over again. What are some of your passive income, Tash? My biggest one at the moment, I think is my apartment because it's positively geared. Positively geared just means that my rent is more than my apartment expenses. So my mortgage and rates and council rates and all those other fun things as well. Um, yay for buying property in Perth. I also get dividends and I have some affiliate things, but I feel like that's not actually really that passive because I have to actively advertise them for that to work. What about yours? Yeah, mine are similar. So I just sold my apartment a little while ago. So no more of that, but I do have dividends and some affiliate marketing, and I will hopefully be getting some royalties from selling a book yes. in the near future. Exciting. But again, you'd have to be marketing some of those as well to, to increase um, your sales. Yeah. I find passive income is kind of labeled as this really exciting thing, but then a lot of stuff isn't really that passive. It's just a different way of putting all your time up front and then receiving royalties afterwards or income afterwards. Because definitely apartment is not passive. There's so much work that still needs to be done and checking in on your tenants and things that you need to do. It's a lot of money as well and stress, but you know it kind of falls into the passive income bucket because you aren't giving up time all the time to make all that the time. Money. Just sometimes. Yeah, I just feel like sometimes. dividends are the only like real passive income yeah, that I yeah. can think of that you haven't had to put in. Like you have to earn the money, but you don't have to put in a lot of time and effort to maintain your shares, I guess. So what are some of the actionable steps that people can take? 
Look up websites like Glassdoor or LinkedIn to see what other people in your role are getting paid so that you know if you're being compensated fairly. That's a really great one. Another one is if you are in your role where you think you can ask for a raise, start having that conversation now. Talk to your manager and develop a career plan and progression so that you know where you can get to and what raise you can expect. I've heard of some people setting up an inbox for all the good things they've done in their job to email to themselves. So when it comes to this time, they've just got a whole list of things they've done ready to go. Oh, that's a great idea. I just put it in a Google Doc all the time. And I actually, yeah, the other thing that I do is when I get a really great compliment from someone or, you know, a colleague that I've worked with, I write down what they said, because when you're having a really bad day at work, it's so lovely to go back and see all the awesome things that you've done or people appreciated. Yeah, I need to start doing that again. I used to do that. I used to have like something called warm fuzzies from a prac that I was at where like people said nice things about you. So I had it on my phone saved, but I haven't done it for a while. Let's start that again. Love that. And the last one, if you have some free time to pick up a side hustle or get paid to do work on the side, explore that option. That's it. (laughs) Goodbye. Thanks so much for joining us. If you found this episode helpful, please rate us five stars, write a review, or share with a friend. If you're new to investing, make sure to listen to our first 10 episodes. Follow us at Get Rich Slow Club or Tash at Tash Invest or me at Anna Christina. This show was brought to you by Natasha Edgman, who is an authorized representative, 12-99881 of Guideway Financial Services, AFSL 420367 and Perla, who is an authorized representative, 1281540 of Sanlam Private Wealth, AFSL 337927. Knowledge is power, especially when it comes to investing. So make sure you check out our financial services guides and read the product disclosure statement and target market determination for any investments you're considering. See our show notes for more info. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.